Hallelujah. Welcome to Summer Revival Nights. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Summer at Heritage of Faith is going to be extraordinary. Hallelujah. You know, I like there's a, a story we have about Jesus. And he heals the, the man that was lowered down from the, from the house, from the, from the roof. And they were all kind of reasoning in their minds and reasoning in their thoughts of what was taking place. And he said, uh, we've seen strange things today. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to see some strange things. You know, it, it's interesting. Jesus said, it said that greater works, greater works. That you will do because I go to the Father. I, I, I mean, hey, Jesus did some amazing works. But if we, the thing is, if we get settled with ordinary, we'll never embrace the extraordinary. If we get settled with, with several points, a poem, uh, a couple songs, then this and that, we'll never step into the greater that God has for us. Because we need, you need a personal revival. Our, the church needs a Per, uh, a church needs a revival, but those things have to happen so our community can have an awakening. So we can pray about awakenings, but the thing is, if the church isn't alive and thriving and operating as a New Testament church, then what's going to happen is the world is never going to see the extraordinary. And we're going to have to settle for doing things that are mediocre or settle things that are counterfeit anointings instead of the anointing that breaks yokes and remove burdens. Are you ready to go be stronger? Are you ready to go to another level? Do you desire God in a way that you've never known him before? Say, I'm going higher. higher. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 32 and don't have a, a whole lot while I say that, but we'll... To see where we go. Like I said, this isn't my plan or our purpose is I know it's going to be different week in and week out. And I'm just believing that things are going to go from glory to glory. And there's just going to be an overflow tomorrow in your workplace. And then there'll be an overflow Sunday morning that will spill over into, into your workplace Monday. And things are going to get stronger and stronger. Hallelujah. You know, I kind of just kind of had that thought of, you know, when David was dancing before the, before the Lord and his wife said, what are you doing? And she goes, it's about to get worse than this. It's going to get worser than this. I don't know. That's proper English, but revival. My assignment tonight and in the time that we have tonight, my, my assignment tonight is to talk about what is revival and how should we and what should we be expecting over this summer? Why should you be bringing someone with you? you know, there's a lot of churches that don't have church on Wednesday nights anymore. So you have people you work with that may go to another church, but you can say, hey, come with me on Wednesday night. They don't have to be a part of heritage. I, I just want people to experience him. Amen. Amen. And, and so what is revival? Revival, and this is in the Webster's, it just says, it's to awake to activity from a state of tiredness, fatigue, weariness, oppression, or heaviness. 
Revival, also in Webster's, is a recovery of life. It's a recovery from a state of neglect. It's a reawakening to a spiritual fervor. Revival is God's plan. For you, it's his plan for your church, and it's his plan for the world. If we look at the Bible as a whole from the beginning to the end, we could use different words to describe it and have always used. If, if we could describe, if I could describe uh, Genesis to Revelation in one word, I'd say restoration. From Genesis 3 all the way to, to, to the book of Revelations, it's God getting man back to, to the rightful place. And that's like it was in the Garden of Eden to, to worship him. That's where Revelation ends, to worship him. And so we could say it's also to revive because Adam and Eve were spiritually dead when they fell. They were dead spiritually. So what needed to happen? They need to recover life. They need to recover life. So there's a lot of Christians going around that they, they, they are born again or had an experience with God years ago. But I want to ask the question, where's the life? Where's the life of God? Where's the life of God? There's some, just some people you get around that there's this, it's like you just know that they're a Christian and, and why? Because there is a life that's just coming out of them. And it's not to say that they're not born again or someone's not born again that doesn't have that same exuberance. The issue is where is the life? And that life isn't dependent on my circumstances. The life is de- determined upon my revelation of who he is. And the time, now listen to this, and the time I'm spending with him. Let's look at Isaiah 32, verse 9. It says, rise up, you women who are at ease. He says, rise up, women. But you have to understand, he's referring here, he's referring, in my opinion, he's referring to his bride. He's referring to the church. And he's saying, rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice, you complacent daughters. That means they're complacent, but at one time, they weren't complacent. They had become complacent. Verse 10, in a year and some days, you will be troubled. See, there's, there's times in our lives where things can be going well. Things can be going great. And, and hey, everything's going smooth and things, things seems like they're clicking. And all of a sudden, it's like you get to this place where, hey, I don't really need God anymore. Or you think that you're with God, but the issue, he's a million miles away. And so what is he saying? If you don't do something about this complacency and you don't do something about this ease in a year and a half, something's going to happen. You will be troubled, you complacent women, for the vintage will fail and the gathering will not come. What does that mean? The vintage won't come. It means the things that you used to be able to count on aren't going to happen anymore. The things that, that, that you always just counted on as traditional and you just thought it would always be there, it's not going to happen. And it says in the gathering, the harvest won't come. You can't get a harvest if you haven't sown the seed. 
And that's really what they're having. It's almost like they're sitting back and, and they got their hands folded and they're at ease and say, hey, things are going good and it's all great over here. And you just said, hey, things are just taken care of. But all of a sudden you forgot to do the things that were needful. Why? Because you became at ease and complacent. Next verse says, tremble, you women who are at ease, ease, be troubled, you complacent ones, strip yourself, make yourself bare and gird sackcloth on your waist. People shall mourn upon their breasts for the, for the pleasant fields and for the fruitful vine. And what does that mean? They're, they're going to mourn, meaning they're going to on the bre- mean, they're going to lie down on the ground and they're going to cry. Why? Because. For the pleasant fields and the fruitful vine, because the fields you used to trust in and the vines you used to trust in aren't producing fruit anymore. For the pleasant field and for the fruitful vine on the land of my people will come up thorns and briars. That's why they're crying. They're like, what happened? What happened to the harvest? What happened to my vines? What happened to these fruitful fields? You let thorns get in. You let the briars come in. You let things come up and choke the good things. Now, this isn't, I'm saying this to lay a foundation. This is not to make you feel heavy in any way. It's for us to reflect and look at perspective and understand why revival needs to happen. On the land will come up thorns and briars, yes. On all the happy homes in the joyous city. Meaning it's in all these, all the homes that were happy, all the joyous city where joy was, it's not going to be happy anymore. It's not going to be joyful anymore. Why? Because they just became complacent. Yes. On the happy homes in the joyous city, verse 14, because the palaces will be forsaken. The bustling city will be deserted. The forts and the towers become lairs forever. Now it will become a joy for wild donkeys and pastors of flocks. Until. See, I I like how, how the word won't leave us in a place of brokenness. I'm so grateful that, that, that Jesus can correct us, but at the same time, not leave us in a place of hopelessness. Because he's saying this hopelessness, all these things that came in because you were complacent and ease. At ease, all this will happen until, say until, the spirit is poured out upon us from on high. Now listen to this. And the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field will be counted as a forest. So where the enemy came to devour and, and destroy, when the spirit is poured out, everything changes. I'm so grateful that the spirit of God has been poured out. But let's not be complacent. Don't be satisfied with where you are with him. Don't be satisfied with what you've seen up to this time in your life. Because there's so much more. Revival is not a feeling. Revival is not a goosebump. It's a coming alive. Revival is a coming alive. Yes. 
It's a revival is a transformation. It is a coming alive that brings about transformation. What I mean, when you step in to personal revival, it it transforms you. When you step into personal revival with God and, and step into things and you, you, are, you are coming up to another level and you're walking in the power and the authority and you're walking in his presence and we're living there, you will love like you've never loved before. You will speak like you've never spoken before. You will have boldness like you've never had boldness before. You will have wisdom like wisdom you've never had before. Why? Because that's what takes place when you step into revival, why? Because revival is a coming to life. Look at Psalms 36. Psalms 36. Psalms 36. Let's see. For the sake of time, let's look at Verse eight, actually verse seven. How precious is your love and kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They, who's they? The ones that are putting their trust. I'm putting my trust in him. I'm not putting my trust in that fruitful vine. Because see, if you, if you all of a sudden you're putting your faith in people, putting your faith in, in your job, putting your faith in circumstances, putting your faith in other people, then what happens is you become complacent. But I'm putting my faith in God. Revival is, a, is God's response to our hunger. And here he says, putting their trust in him, they are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. Abundantly, those that trust in him are abundantly, can you say abundantly? Abundantly Abundantly satisfied with the fullness, fullness. I, I have experienced the presence of God in amazing ways. I've experienced the glory of God in such a way I couldn't stand, couldn't get off the floor for a long time. He says, the fullness of his house. Uh, Do you desire that? Just to be satisfied with all that he is, everything that he is, the fullness of who he is. Say, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Because revival is a response to our hunger. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house and you give them, you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. With you is the fountain of life. Now get this. And in your light, we see light. See, there's something happened when we step into and as we, we are already, we've already stepped into it. This is not something that we're waiting. There's something that's been happening at Heritage for a period of time and it's getting thicker. Do you sense it? And it says, it says you'll drink from the river of his pleasures and you'll drink from the fountain of life. And it says in his light, we will see light. 
What does John chapter 3, verse 4 and 5 says? In him was life. And that life was the light of men. So revival is about coming into his life. It's his life that comes upon you. It's his life that enters into the room. While we're worshiping God, it's his very life in nature coming and resting upon us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a coming alive. It's a coming alive. transformative. Revival is transformative. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, says that we go from glory to glory. Even as by the spirit of the Lord, we go from glory to glory. It's not that all of a sudden you got to this place with a walk with God and, and that's the end of it. No, because once you get there, you just realize you only just know a little bit. And then you get to that part and then you get to, well, well no, there's something more. You get to know there, there, there's something more. Hallelujah. We have life in him. We have life. It's the fountain of life. Hallelujah. The church needs to be alive. Alive. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Romans 9, I think it's verse 22. What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath? Let me start over verse 22. What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath? That God's going to endure the vessels of wrath. Let me ask you, who were the vessels of wrath? You and me. Humanity. That were prepared for destruction. And that he might make known. And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. You see, we were vessels of wrath. But now we're vessels of mercy. That he would show the fullness of his glory on the vessels of mercy. Wow. What would the fullness of his glory look like? What would the fullness of his glory look like on vessels of mercy? What would, what, would, what would fullness look like? 
This is his desire. This is why Jesus came. So we could then and take the fullness of his glory and manifest it on the vessels of mercy. Hallelujah. Go to Psalm 65. Psalm 65. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Let's look at verse, verse 1. It says, Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion. Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion. Let let me ask you a question. Is, how do I word this? Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion. Let me ask a question. Let me make a statement. Let's not disappoint. David says, praise is awaiting you, God, in Zion. We're Zion. Zion is a picture of the New Testament church. And so let's not keep God waiting. Let's not keep God waiting. Because we are the church. And, 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 and what we've been given is to release our praise and our faith in all that he is through our praise. Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion, and to you the vow shall be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will all flesh will come. Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, you will provide atonement for them. That, that's already happened through Jesus. Verse 4 says, blessed is the man you choose. Blessed is the man you choose. Blessed is the man you choose and calls to approach you. I'm telling you, because atonement, atonement came with Jesus. So that means he chose you. 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 He chose every single one of us in here. He chose you to come near. We have been chosen to come near. We, we have been chosen. Why? I know that I'm chosen. Why? Because Jesus took care of the atonement. And because he took care of it, now I can come boldly to the throne of grace. And cause to approach you that he may dwell in your courts. God is saying, I choose you, Pastor Philip, Pastor Phil. And then why does he choose us so we could dwell in his courts? So let, let, let me make another statement. Let's just do it now. Why do we have to wait till we get to heaven to dwell in his courts? Why, why not just not disappoint? Let's just, let's just go all in in our praise. Let's go all in in our worship. Blessed is the man you choose and calls to approach you that he may dwell in your courts. Then it says, we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house of your holy temple, satisfied. 
satisfied. I, I want, I want every time we gather together, whether it's Wednesday, Sunday, or Sunday, we, we leave here and we go, man, I'm satisfied. And, and you come back next service and it's like, oh wow. It's like, oh, you leave, man, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God's revi- revival is God's desire for every individual, every church, and for the entire world. Let me make this statement I wrote down. Revival in itself is to awaken the thought that there is more. Let me make that statement again. Revival in itself is to awaken the thought that there is more. But that thought is to produce an action to pursue more. Let me say that again. Revival in itself is to awaken the thoughts that there is more. And those thoughts are to produce an action to actually pursue more. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We've been chosen. Ephesians says we've been chosen in him, made acceptable in him. Thank you, Father. Go to Acts chapter 13, and I'm going to close with this. I'm only doing exactly what I know the Lord told me to say tonight. We've got all summer to unpack what God wants us to talk about in revival. And I'm not going to, I don't believe I'm going to go in great detail in this yet. I might, on a a Sunday, actually, depending on how the Holy Spirit goes. But So let me just recap a little bit. Revival is God's plan for every person, individual in the world. It's his desire for every individual church in the world. It's a coming alive. Revival is about transformation. It's about a, a, it's an awaken the thought that there's more. And the intent to pursue more. And revival is about a season of separation. Revival is about a season of of separation. And I'm not going to go into great detail. I don't believe the host wants to go in great detail tonight about that. But I want to refer to this scripture. And this came out in corporate prayer Monday night. Verse 1 says, Now in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod, the patriarch, and Saul, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Some translation, as they worshipped the Lord and fasted. This speaks of hunger. It speaks of pursuit. It speaks of, I don't want to stay the same. It speaks, I'm ready for more. And what does it say? It says, he says, now separate to me. And the Holy Spirit spoke. You see, when you're in revival, when you're in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit speaks. And what was he speaking here? Now separate to me 
Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then having fasted and prayed and they laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And what the spirit of God put on, put in my heart Monday night as we were before Monday night, we were praying. The Lord said, said, I, I want you to see that revival, that worship is that you're, he said this, he is, you're entering in this summer as a church you're entering into a season of separation. Maybe that could be separating from uh, um, old habits. Maybe that's separating from old relationships. Maybe that's separating. Um, maybe it, it's, it's, it, it, there's just, God's going to, there's just going to be a separate. I don't want to put words necessarily in it. I'm just sowing this, this word tonight that revival that we're in and stepping into for this summer, it's going to be a season of separation. And I, I don't know all what that means right now. But I just sense that I needed to sow that word as, as, as I'm closing up tonight is expecting that this is a season of separation. There's some things that may have held you back that, that can no longer hold you back because it's a season of separation. Maybe there's some things that pertains to your call in ministry, but it's going to be a season of separation. Some examples, I'm not going to go into detail in that, but there's some other examples I want to sow real quick. Peter says that you are a chosen generation. He says you're a royal priesthood. A holy nation. But it's for a purpose. It's not just to say, look at me. Hey, I'm holy. It's not to say, hey, look, I'm peculiar. It's not to say, hey, look at me. I'm chosen. No, it says it's so it's for a purpose so that you could show forth the praises of him. That called you out of darkness into marvelous light. That separation. That separation. To show forth the praises of him. What is this? As they praise the Lord, as they minister to the Lord, as they worship the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, separate. I believe in this summer season that God's going to speak to us and show you and separate some things. But it's not a separation. It's, it's not just a separation from something, but it's a separation to into something. Do you receive that? Do you receive that? Say, I'm in revival. This is my season. I'm expecting great things. You see, there's, there's another, another aspect. What about when God called Jesus? And he said, he goes to John the Baptist and John the Baptist is like, you know, I need to be baptized by you. And he goes, no, Jesus says, it's needful for me to be baptized by you because we have to fulfill all righteousness. And we know that right, you know, he came up out of the water and the whole, the, the, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, came upon him and said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We know he goes into the wilderness and he's tempted for 40 days. And after 40 days, Satan comes to him and we know the three different temptations. Immediately after that, the angels came and ministered to Jesus. And it said he came out in the fullness of the Spirit. And he went into his hometown. 
And he stood up and he read and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has sent me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them that are bruised. I want you to see that Jesus, from the time of him just walking as a, uh, as a, a son of Mary and Joseph, and he got baptized by the spirit, it was a season of separation. And he was separated into that call. So much so when he came out of the fullness of the spirit, he was able to step in to his next assignment in fullness. Jesus experienced a personal revival and it caused him to fulfill the assignment upon his life. So the revival, the awakening, the Holy Spirit working upon your life is going to set you apart so you fulfill the assignment on your life. Revival in the church so he can set apart heritage to fulfill its assignment. So we can be an example to awaken our community. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, as we close out this service and close out this message, Father, I believe this was word that was so sown prophetically into their hearts and that it will produce a harvest. And this will be something that we will build upon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just, just raise your hands, lift your hands. Just an attitude of surrender. Pray this after me. Heavenly Father, here I am. I yield my heart. I'm hungry for you. Move in my life. Move in my church. I'm hungry for you. Thank you for revival. Thank you for a season of separation. A season of coming alive. A season of going higher. To never go back. Or be complacent. Or be at ease. Thank you, Father. That like in Isaiah 32. We will be a fruitful field. And we will. This field will be counted as a forest. Because you're doing great things. Jesus name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. my, my, My heart and prayer is that you would come expecting that you would bring people with you expecting. And we're going to see the anointing in extraordinary ways. Do you have that expectancy in your heart? Thank you, Father. Hallelujah.